welcome to the Dinosaur Man Nerdcast. I'm Andy Hughes, I'm here with Alex Hudson. And this week I have mostly been thinking about Elizabeth Shue and her career. Whatever <laughs> happened to Elizabeth Shue, the star of Hollow Man and the Back to the Future sequels where she played Jennifer? What happened to her? Oh, have you not got the answer? I've got the answer. She's currently in production with Death Wish. They've remade Death Wish. <laughs> Eli Roth has remade Death Wish. Oh, no. Starring Bruce Willis. Oh, God. Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh, no. It's a film with him in it. So that means it's going to be bad. It's a film, therefore, D'Onofrio is involved. Why would you remake Death Wish? Death Wish isn't good enough to remake. This started as you going, oh, this will be fun for me just to mention people that people have forgotten about. What it's actually done is disappointed you because you found out they're remaking something you don't want. I don't don't particularly care for Death Wish anyway, but... Why would you remake Death Wish? Because is is it a film that's uh, not been out in the last like five years? They're remaking it. Also, speaking speaking of Bruce Willis action movies, uh, First Kill comes out later this year, apparently, starring Bruce Willis as a police chief who tries to solve a kidnapping that involves a bank robber holding a young boy hostage. Guess who plays the bank robber? Hayden Christensen. He's back. Anyway, hi guys. <laughs> it's about time. I mean, this was all just padding out because we've only got two things to review this week. So I thought, yeah, but that that will not stop me going over. Yeah, because I've got, news I've got will f- take over. I've got a forty-minute chat in me. Okay, today. so uh, hello, welcome to the news and reviews episode where we review news. <laughs> we have one fucking tagline for both of our podcasts, and we only use it for one of them, right? You'd think you could get it right. No, welcome to the uh, the midweek episode where we talk news. Um, and reviews you, you've got to finish the thing off we're not Ant and Deck why not they're a successful, they're successful pairing yeah. we should be aspiring to be more like Ant and Deck uh, welcome to the podcast uh, let's start with news yeah I never know which one is which what between news and reviews Ant or Deck news is stuff that's happened <laughs> reviews is stuff we think you're an asshole uh, let's do some news then. What you got for me? Okay, so did you know that the new Alien ripoff, Life? Yeah. Uh, well, basically, there's been some news stories circulating where fans have been postulating that perhaps it could be a Venom prequel because it's about an organism that comes to life. <laughs> have you seen? You've not seen Life yet. Uh, not out until. I think it doesn't even come out yet. I it? think it's two weeks time. I think it's not this Friday, but the Friday afterwards. Um, so yeah, I think it's sort of. <laughs> or it might be this Friday, I can't remember. It's one of the last two weekends in March. Anyway, uh, life from the trailer does seem like it's essentially going to be a, a, an alien light. Um, yeah, well, they've got flamethrowers the very, and stuff. Yeah, the, the setup seems to be... And There's probably a cat in there. It was at the cinema last night, and they showed a trailer that was essentially just a two-minute scene. And um, it, it's got a very... It does have a very alien feel to it. It's got Ryan Reynolds, um, it's got good Rebecca cast. Ferguson, and the J- other chap, J- Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, but, you know, people have been speculating that it could be a Venom prequel because of these things. The directors and writers have now come out and said, yes, we're absolutely a Venom tie-in because blah, 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 blah. Jokingly, of course. Yeah, yeah. Nobody but this doesn't jokes. stop people from going, oh my God, we're going to finally get a Venom prequel. Because it takes place this year. Yeah. Is, is basically the conceit of the film is that it's 2017 that this happens in. Um, so then it means that when the Venom movie comes out in two years, we'll have seen uh, 
that have seen it already because Venom is a prequel, uh, like is a prequel to Venom. People are idiots. But they can't do this because Ryan Reynolds is already being Deadpool. But that is Fox, not Marvel. Oh, and you're saying basically he's going to crash and he's going to get horribly burnt and therefore that's a new origin for Deadpool. Although, no, I think uh, it's the... This is what I've heard about Venom, is that it's being marketed as a separate thing to the... Cinematic Universe. Yeah. No, they'll, they'll include it because that makes money. Like Sony will basically use is, it. Uh, Sony was... will create it and then that character will probably be used in the Marvel Universe because Marvel won't want two separate Venoms because Venom will be included at some point mm. and Marvel will not want two separate iterations of that uh, character. Well, the rumblings that I'd heard was that because they wanted to do justice to the character, they wanted to have this very sort of Venom-centric film rather than having to tie to Oh, no, I think in. they will. They will have that separate film but then that film will link into yeah. Tom Holland's Spider-Man because it makes too much sense not to do that. But this one isn't done in conjunction with MCU. Uh, with the Marvel Studios. They they will be talks between the heads. Like Kevin Feige will be talking to them about what they can and can't do. Because what Sony will realise is if they make a good Venom movie and then it links in with Spider-Man, they get more profit. Yeah. That's how it works. You know, If those Spider-Man films do well, Sony get profit. Um, so I would not be surprised to see those two link. But I will be incredibly surprised to see Life and Venom link. So in the post credit sequence in life is just like a picture of Spider-Man. Just be like, told you so, bitches. <laughs> uh, Andy, what is your news? I had news, didn't I? Yeah, I think so. Uh, oh, Baby Driver released a trailer, the new Edgar Wright film. Yeah. What did you think? It looks very funny. Yeah, look, it looks fun. Like, it's Fun, action-packed, thrill ride. It's Edgar Wright, so I'm going to give it a chance anyway. Yeah. You know, I really enjoy what Edgar Wright does. Um, and I've never actually finally got to see it because it seems like he's just been doing nothing for... So long. Well, what was his last thing? His last thing would have been... Um, World's End. World's End, yeah, which was a good few years ago. 2012, I think. 2013. Yeah, yeah. so you talk a few years. Um, so it's good to see that... He, and this is something that he's written and directed, isn't it? So He's just there like, fuck you, I've done loads since. You just haven't heard about it. <laughs> you just haven't been paying attention. When was Tintin? That was the last thing that I remember him being involved in other than uh, his stuff. Oh, he did that. He was that doing was some of the Ant-Man stuff. But then... Well... We all know what happened there. But now people are petitioning for him to do the third Guardians if James Gunn isn't involved. And I just think, how? If if he couldn't work in the Ant-Man environment, what would... Especially now, he could probably have done the first Guardians that didn't have yeah. too much of a tie into the... But if you want Edgar Wright to direct one of those films, why would you do it the third in the series when in between the second and the third, they're going to have met the Avengers and taken part in Infinity War. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be so many more boxes for them to tick in the third one. Because yeah. James Gunn's basically said he doesn't know if he's going to do it, but there will be a third. Has he said that? Yeah, he had an interview last week where he said there will be a third, which surprises absolutely nobody because this is going to I didn't make... realise it was so close to Guardians coming out. Yeah, yeah. It's end of next so, month, yeah. isn't it? Um, yeah, I didn't realise. But he said, I don't know whether I'll be involved uh, on a day-to-day pro- uh, in the day-to-day process of it or whether I want to go off and do my own thing for a bit. Because um, he's just come off the back of the Velcro experiment as well, which he wrote and, or co-wrote and co-produced. How's that doing? Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't, I've, I've deliberately sort of kept away from any reviews because it's out in the States, I think, now. Uh, we get it sometime next month, I think. 
And you want to go to fresh. And I'd rather go into it fresh. I always liked James Gunn's output before Guardians, and it seems like it's yeah, he sort did of super, a, didn't he? It, yeah, which super, is great. He did super. He did Slither, and they're both they're both really offbeat sort of. Um, well, Slither's more of a horror sort of science fictiony film, and then superheroes, uh, super is dealing with superheroes yeah, in yeah, real yeah. life. In a similar vein to Kick-Ass, but not quite as well as Kick-Ass, I think it was. I think it had more flaws. Um, but no, I've always liked James Gunn's work, and I'm kind of excited to go back to something that he's had a hand in that isn't Guardians. Yeah. As much as I like Guardians, and I'm looking forward to the second. But I am excited. Going back to Baby Driver, I am excited. Yeah, yeah, Apparently, looks good. Everything that's been said about that, because obviously there have been screenings of it already. And everyone's saying it's really good. Yeah, it's got a nice, a nice ensemble cast in it as well. You know, you've got talented people throughout, so it it fills you with confidence that you're in safe hands pretty much across the board when you've got that kind of level on board. And it's got like it'll have that Edgar Wright twist on it, Mm. which is that kind of humour that I really enjoy. So, Mm. although you've never seen Spaced, have you? No. We need to. We need to change. I think I watched one episode. Michael Smiley in it. You'd love that. (laughs) Oh, it's Michael Smiley. Oh, it's Michael Smiley. One of four grand on pointless uh, in our heads. <laughs> Before anyone starts phoning us up and being like, you owe me money. You owe me money and now I've heard you got four grand. It's like, no. Anyway, um, so that's that's that. I think there was some more news, but I can't remember what it was. I don't know. I think you surprised me by the whole... Um, Elizabeth Shoe stuff. No, when you start talking about Venom. Um, oh, I will review Iron Fist at some point. Next week, we think. Yeah, yeah, basically. You've got about four episodes left? Yeah, I'm on episode eight, I think, so I think I've got five. five. episodes, yeah. Um, enjoying it enough, okay. and I'll go into it in more detail when I finish it. Um, oh, the other thing was Anthony Mackie and the Blade. Oh, yeah, Anthony Mackie wants to be Blade. Huh, okay. Now, you didn't realise Blade was back with Marvel, did you? Oh, I just, well, I knew there was talk about doing a Netflix series at some point, but I thought it was, yeah. I thought it was not a Marvel thing. They got thing. I Blade. Still a, I think Fox had Blade at some they point. They got Blade, Ghost Rider, and Daredevil yeah, yeah. all back at the same time, um, because they, I think they yeah. were all with Fox, I think. And, and, like, the thing is, like, if you take those three characters, right, off the back of their final films that they put out yeah. before that happened... You've got to be like, oh, that's a bum deal for Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> like, they've just inherited three of the worst superheroes ever. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, Daredevil's at 97% yeah, really on Rotten Yeah, it's the opinion of Daredevil. And Ghost Rider's a really nice addition to that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, of course, that's series. what they've tied him into. Yeah, um, But he's Robbie Reyes' Ghost Rider rather than the Steve McQueen one. I don't know what his name was. Johnny Blaze, maybe? Steve McQueen? You know, fucking Daredevil sort of stunt Evil can evil, you were thinking. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was Steve McQueen. I was there like, what? <laughs> Either A, the dead film star, or B, the very much alive film director. Yeah, yeah, exactly that one. It's like, um, uh, so I've just finished 12 Years a Slave and now I've got to go out at night and kill people <laughs> for the devil. I think his name's like Johnny Blaze, like the most... Johnny Blaze the, is the, the name most of rec- the guy, yeah. The recognisable yeah, one, he's, the he's, one. It's basically like... Johnny Blaze, his head's on fire. Johnny Storm, he's all on fire. <laughs> Marvel are not known for their ingenuity. Um, but, yeah, you know, he he's the most recognisable one, motorbike yeah, one. Yeah. So they've not brought him in. What yet. does this guy ride? He's got a car. He's got a ghost oh, car. car. Um, but, no, he's, he's an interesting addition to that series. For me, he but feels... Can I just say, for me, that version, Diego Reyes, or whatever his name is... Robbie Reyes... I think that's his name anyway. Diego Reyes is the centre-back. Um, but, okay, fine. Reyes, 
that guy with the car. Yeah, yeah. I imagine it's like an old car. It's like a classic kind of Chevrolet a or something. Car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine he would be perfectly fitting into the supernatural universe. Oh, yeah. Rather than the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. universe. Like, your dream tie-in for Supernatural <laughs> at the moment would be like, if Ghost Rider turned up in one episode. And um, I know you don't even watch Supernatural week on week anymore. I've not seen since season seven, so I'm like... And, and they've done like 20 seasons Yeah, since yeah. Then. <laughs> Despite but, only being like three years previous. But, you know, he's a really good addition. They've not really mentioned what they're doing with Blade. But at one point they were talking about doing a Blade, Ghost Rider and Moon Knight Netflix series to kind of do like this kind of darkest, even dark, kind of more spiritualized. I mean, I like the idea of those characters coming to Netflix. And I think, you know, I, I, I like two of the three Blade films. Yeah. Blade 2 is a bit shit, but Trinity right? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if Mark just burst through the door now and was like, what are you saying? No, so Blade 1 and 2 are great. Um, yeah. Blade 3 is fucking awful. Um, but it does have an amazing swear swear by Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, in that yeah, film, yeah. Uh, which, which we will not as, repeat here. No, but as a child, I was just like, what is this? This You're is cinema now. Yeah. Uh, no, but what I would say is that with Ghost Rider, you never felt like they did him justice in those two films that he had. Mm. And um, Moon Knight is obviously a character we know about through your pitch for the uh, Moon Knight TV series slash film slash whatever it ended up being. <laughs> um, but, you know, from what I was told by you about Moon Knight, Moon Knight, Moon Knight, Moon Knight's already had a very successful <laughs> film. Um, but Moon Knight seems like the kind of character that would play well into a darker sort of... Yeah, and he's uh, the one I think universe. is most likely to get it. Now, me and Mark have a long chat, and I won't go along about this because I think what we'll do is when I speak about Iron Fist and what the Defenders can be, I'll go into it in more detail. But me and Mark had a lengthy chat about this the other day, saying the problem with Blade is it brings so much baggage in the form of a vampiric universe mm. in that universe. And if you tie it in, which you'll have to do because all Marvel stuff's connected, then you have to accept the vampires in this universe as well as everything yeah. else we've already got. With Moon Knight, it's just a guy, and it's spiritualism again, much like Iron Fist. Um, so I think he's most likely to come in, but. Anyway, Anthony Mackie, you're already playing Falcon. You Just can't be, be played as that. well. And he'll be the next Captain America, won't he, basically? Um, him or, I think it'll be um, Winter Soldier become Captain America. But no one will care at that point, because no one really cares about Winter Soldier. Just like because he's, he's already basically a super soldier, so yeah, I don't, it's not like you're I don't care much. for him. I think he's the worst member of the Avengers now. Um, but what I will say is, what I do want to see <laughs> is a Blade Morbius uh, tie-in. Morbius? Is that a correct thing? He's a vampire hunter, maybe, I think. You're thinking Van Helsing. No, Morbius, I'm sure, is like from Spider-Man. You're thinking Van Helsing, mate. No, I'm, I am... Do you know if I'm being real now? Not a clue. I think that Morbius is a... You're probably Text right. or tweet, guys. Text or tweet. Who are they texting? You. Okay. If you know Andy, text him and tell him he's an idiot for not knowing Morbius. Okay. Morbius? Sure. I don't know. Okay, next week when we discuss all the where they're going to go with this Netflix shit, mm -hmm. then we'll discuss Morbius and Blade being like an odd couple vampire hunter slash vampire. I think he might also be a vampire hunter. I don't know. Let's do our reviews. You're thinking Dracula. <laughs> okay. Nosferatu's just living in the cupboard. Where do you want to start? Although that essentially just means that it's, it's uh, what, what we, we do, do in the shadows. shadows. <laughs> but Marvel stamped all over it. Uh, let's start off with the one we've both seen, shall we? Kong Skull Island. Yes! <laughs> why, did, why did you just stop? Um, I thought you were going to no, say no. we both seen. Okay, so we both saw Kong Skull Island. I saw it before last week's episode. What was it? Yeah, yeah, and I had to discuss. Um, so Kong Skull Island is the second in 
Legendary's monster. Legendary's yes, monster shared monster verse. Um, mm. So following on from 2014's Godzilla, which was directed by Gareth Edwards, we now have Kong Skull Island, directed by Jordan Wright Roberts, uh, set in 1970-something. Uh, it's toward, it's, so it's the tail end of the Vietnam War, um, and you basically have an expedition led to Skull Island by John Goodman, who worked for Monarch, who are the company that basically are dedicated to finding out more about Mutos. And not the airline. And not the airline, importantly. They, I mean, they really they really played with fire with that one, didn't they? Because <laughs> Monica are involved in some weird shit. Um, so they're, in, they're basically... Um, their prime directive is to sort of investigate Mutos. And uh, this is basically building that world. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it is weird in the sense that it's a huge movie, huge budget, and yet essentially what it is is a world-building movie that features prominently one monster, but allows you to see the sprouts of sort of everything else that's going to be coming up around it. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, they mix in the military, is... the civilian side, and then the monarch side as well, the scientific side. Because what this is leading to is obviously Godzilla versus King Kong. Uh, well, Godzilla, King get, of Monsters, I think, got, yeah, is 2019. Yeah, Godzilla first, then second Godzilla, and then you've got Godzilla versus yeah. King Kong, um, as it's currently called. Um but yeah, what did you think? So it's all about an expedition to Skull Island, and that's basically the... That's, well, that's yeah. all you basically need to know to, to try and unearth some monsters. And they awaken more than they bargain for, yeah, essentially. Yeah. They find that Kong is the, uh, the essential... The, the guardian of the, the island. King. The king around here. Uh, he's a pretty good king. Um, <laughs> what I would say is, know. number one, it's a flawed film. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm not going to come out and say it's the perfect film. Uh, I think it's a really good monster film. I think it's a really decent popcorn sort of blockbuster. Starts mm-hmm. off the blockbuster season really strong. Um, I think the performances are fine. They don't really elevate themselves above that. I think you get a couple of character arcs which are quite nice. Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson is a really nice character. Uh, as a sort of um, wartime man living in peace and is sort of not able to cope with that and glad that he has this other assignment. Yeah. And then is given more to sort of motivate his character throughout that film. Um, you know, you've got a really high quality of actors in here mm-hmm. you, you've got Tom Hills you've got Brie Larson but no one feels like they're putting it feels like okay so Brie Larson comes off the back of Room last yeah, year yeah. really great performance terrific performance won the Oscar for it and probably deservedly so however she there's there's a long history of people who win Oscars then doing something a little bit more relaxed just to sort of kick back yeah, yeah. and not stress themselves out. And in the last two weeks, we've seen this and we saw Free Fire. Mm-hmm. And both of those films, she's not going to win Oscars for. But she's having fun, you know, particularly in Free Fire, she's having a lot of fun. Yeah. And this just seems like, you know, it, she's she's doing her thing and it lends the film slightly more credibility than if it was, you know... Um, Vin Diesel. I was going to say Kim Cattrall <laughs> and I don't know why... No, I, I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was great fun. Um, I think there were definitely script errors mm-hmm. where it kind of sags. Or, um, like there's definitely one scene in it where Tom Hiddleston is speaking to Brie Larson and neither of them seem to be convinced by the words they've been yeah, given like, to say. You, they can't um, believe the words that are coming out of their own mouths. Um, but as far as the whole film goes, I think it's a great, it's a great homage to Apocalypse Now because I know people were shitting on it to begin with. Like, 
um, I'll look at the Apocalypse Now imagery, but when you look at the film as a whole, it really fits that style because it is very stylized. I think um, the cinematography is fantastic. I think that's some of the, the the Vietnam parallels are some of the stuff that works the best in this film, and I like like you. I can't really understand why someone would uh, try and do it down for um, sort of tipping its hat towards Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Apocalypse Now is one of the sort of uh, key texts in terms of. Um, in terms of a cinematic touchstone for a certain era the you know the soundtrack is beautiful in this one mm. you know you've got a real jukebox soundtrack with all these classic songs from in you know relevant songs that, that and they're relate kind of to. pumping out the helicopter as yeah well. you, know, you know ride of the valkyrie style and you've got the colonel kilgore um sort of character you've got colonel kurtz sort of character still rolled into one like i well that's one thing i would say there's far too many characters in this yeah that you have to try and focus on. But the thing is, the ones that I did kind of like were the ones that I kind of attached to. Mm. And the others I kind of just didn't really care, care less about. Um, there's some really inventive deaths in this as well. Yeah. Um, like, there's the one... Um, I don't want to spoil anything, but... Let's not spoil it. No, no, I won't. Let's not spoil it. I won't, but... Um, let's, let's say there are some really good the, deaths. There's one I was going to mention to you that I didn't speak to you about last night. Um, we'll speak about really, that really, we'll really that cool. That I really liked... Um, you know, but there's inventive fighting by like Kong in this whole film as well. Like the CGI used to create Kong, the the monster fantastic. battles are done so well. I think, and like the the CGI is fantastic. Um, you know, it's Toby Kebbell doing it, who's obviously did it before in Planet of the Apes. Mm. Um, and you know, there's a there's a kind of humanism to Kong, but there isn't that whole kind of faux here's a monkey and giant monkey in love with a woman sort of trope. Mm. You know, that isn't in there, and I don't think it's a spoiler to say that. You know, that whole kind of mm. faux romance they do they, they kind of assume they, they that side to, of it and I like the they fact allude that... to it slightly mm. like kind again of, it's a bit more of a tip of the hat. hat and there's a lot of those and I really like some of the more intricate things about this film I, like, I, really, I really enjoyed it I thought it, it was... knows its heritage but also is strong enough to have its own voice and that's what I quite liked about it it could have easily just been another rehashing of a story that's been done twice and it's an hour short of um, Peter Jackson's one which is yeah. always refreshing it, it really skips along at a good pace I think I didn't feel bored at any point no. I didn't feel like I didn't you know I wasn't watch checking or anything like that I was just enjoying the ride and I was sort of I was hanging on for the next exciting sort mm. of monster battle scene because you know there's always going to be the climactic one and how they're going to do it. and it feels you know as much as I don't get on board with blockbusters these days because so much of it is reliant on this big crash bang wallop yeah, stuff. Yeah. In a monster movie, that's kind of what I'm here for. And put it this way, there will be people who will not enjoy this film. Mm. Um, and I've heard a lot of people saying that it blows its wad too early because um, Kong appears in basically the first scene. But as the director says, it's a film about King Kong. Mm -hmm. Why would he not include King yeah. Kong? And I'm there like, actually, yeah. Seeing him as much as seeing you're basically just seeing him kind of at times milling about his own universe. Yeah, he enjoying himself, and that to me is the kind of beauty. And the the place looks beautiful. Yeah, you know, it's a, it, the way they filmed it was they took three separate continents. Yeah. and meshed them together to create this island, and it looks fantastic. Um, and like I said, cinematography wise, I think it's a film that I really enjoyed mm -hmm. watching. Um, some of the shots that the director puts in are are beautiful. Yeah. Uh, which you don't expect from a blockbuster, but right. no, I really, I really enjoyed it. I think it's definitely not without flaw, mm. but as a whole, it really works. If you're looking me. for a good sort of fun two hours in the cinema, you could do a lot worse than this film. Also, there's an after credits sting. Yeah, out. I mean, stick around for that if 
I really liked it. If you want to see, you know, if you're invested in this in this universe, then definitely stick around for that. If you're just sort of looking for monster fun, you don't need to stick around. No, but it's not essential. I really liked it. But even in the end credits, you know, you get the conclusion of one of the character storylines, yeah. and that's really nice as well. Yeah, yeah, because I really like that character. Um, I thought it brought a lot of levity to the film. Yeah. Um, so it was it was nice. It was a nice little nod. Um, and it was, it, it was a bit of a weird way to end it. With him, but at the same time, weird. But I think sort of it was nice to have that change of pace again. Yeah. I think because uh, as the credits start rolling, you see this sort of olden style uh, yeah. footage. Yeah, and it, I, I think it works. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'd say you know if you're looking for something to watch that's just yeah, uh, yeah. two hours of good fun, then get along to Kong because Absolutely. it is. It is and really it's the good. biggest Kong we've ever seen, and it is the best. Um, and they still say it's the best Star wrong. Wars film ever. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to bring this up. Do you believe yes, it is better than... Believe. No, no. Not you have to. Do you genuinely believe it is better than any Star Wars movie ever made? I would say that it may well be on a par with Empire Strikes Back. Right. Okay. Do you Number genuinely one. believe I, that, though? I think, I think... Look, I rewatched the original Star Wars trilogy okay. recently. I say recently. Last year, okay? And it doesn't hold up in the same way. Like, I had a lot of love for that trilogy as a kid. However, looking back at it now, I'm able to find flaws where there previously were none in my seven-year-old brain, right? In my seven-year-old brain, I was like, wow, this is fucking great. And the universe is so enthralling and I'm so tied up in it all. Love that stuff. But script-wise, they have never been strong films. Plot-wise, it is very simplistic stuff. And I'm not going to say that Kong's fucking multifaceted in the... I think it's got more layers to it, perhaps, than Star Wars does at some points. Um, but essentially, you know, it's a father-son film. That's that's what Empire Strikes Back is. It's a, it's a daddy... It's a daddy so you genuinely Sunday. believe Kong's Skull Island... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to nail my colours to the mask and say I enjoy Kong Skull Island more. If you were to sit me down... I don't even know if you believe I this. I do think I believe this. And the reason I believe this is because they've just said that Dash Rendar's never going to be canon. I'm pissed off about that because that's the Star Wars film I'm waiting to see. Zac Efron as Dash Ren. No, it's not going to be Zac Efron. He's too young. Anyway, I won't bog you down. I mean, we're dangerously close to being at time already, and I still haven't talked about a film that I really want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll cut something. Mainly me claiming Star Wars is shit. Um, no, I think you, that was already out there, mate. That's already out. In the look, world. I, I don't know. I, I feel like if you were to give me the choice, I would rather sit through Kong. Because I just feel like I got okay. I got a lot of enjoyment out of Kong, and I just can't be asked with fucking Star Wars anymore. I think Star Wars fans have ruined Star Wars. Okay, I'm not going to speak to Barrett about this because <laughs> he will hate me. Um, but I, I, you know, obviously one, two, and three are bad films. Yeah, yeah, we that's that's there. established. It's whether it's seven whether really didn't work for me, and Rogue One sort of worked in parts but had massive flaws. It's... I don't know, as somebody who isn't really a Star Wars fan, you know, I still can see the merit of four and five. I think they're really strong films. Um, I don't know. I don't know where I stand. I'd have to see Kong a couple more times yeah. first. I, but I, I think director-wise, like, well done, because it, it looks beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think... Let's go into the next film, though, because obviously you want to talk about yeah. this, because I've not seen this, but uh, you want to watch Get Out. Yeah, so Get Out Get is, out. Uh, the, I believe, the debut feature of 
uh, Jordan Peele, who wrote and directed and co-produced it, uh, along with uh, primarily Jason Blum of Blumhouse, um, yeah. who are, are still sort of establishing the fact that they are the Fox Studios of production companies. In the, you know, Fox have got this thing at the moment where they're either making great superhero movies or shit superhero yeah, yeah, movies, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're not really much in between. Blumhouse have got this same thing going on because. Whiplash was a Blumhouse production. Mm-hmm. Our best movie of two years ago, and deservedly so, and still one of the sort of highlights of the recent yeah, years. Yeah. And they've also produced Get Out, which is exceptional. Now, I think the the fact that Jordan Peele comes from a comedy background is essential. Comedy and horror are so interlinked, and I think he's he's shown a showed a real intelligence with this film and a sort of cine literacism that means that you he knows where his influences are coming from. It's a film that sort of melds very diverse genres mm-hmm. and somehow manages to bring them all together. So essentially the setup is um Daniel Kaluuya plays um this guy called Chris who is going to meet his girlfriend's parents for the first time. Girlfriend played by Alison Williams of Girls fame. She's in a few different um, films now, but primarily that's what she'll be known for. And he brings up the fact that, oh, do your parents know that I'm black? And she says, should it matter? Why should I have to tell them? And he says, well, look, I don't want it to be weird. And I just feel like it's something that maybe you would have told them. And she's like, look, they're very liberal parents. Uh, my dad would have voted for Obama a third time if he could have, and he will tell you this when you meet him. And sure enough, that's what happens. Yeah, yeah. Like you, Within five minutes of arriving, he's going on this grand tour of the house, and the dad's saying to him, hey, man, and he's calling him man. <laughs> and he's there like, yeah, I would have voted for Obama a third time. And he's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, sure. Mm. Anyway, so he gets there and realises that not all is quite as it seems. Yeah, yeah. They have black servants working on their property and sort of unnervingly they are very calm and very sort of fake smile. It's all a bit Stepford Wives at the beginning. Yeah, that's what it seems by the trailers. Yeah, there's there's a real Stepford Wives vibe going on and it's that unnerving sort of chilling thing. It's To describe it as an out-and-out horror isn't really doing it justice. I'd say it's more of a thriller that has elements of horror and comedy and sort of mm-hmm. science fiction thrown in there. But what it does, for the entire running time, it keeps you unnerved. It keeps you sort of on the edge of your seat. You're not quite sure where it's going to go next. And it could be a, a dozen different films. Yeah. What it ends up being is its own thing that draws from those 12, 13 films. And I really think it's one of the contenders for film of the year for me because the way in which I sort of approached it, I hadn't seen the full trailer. I deliberately avoided it. I'd mm-hmm. seen like the start or something and I'd just gone, actually, I've got too much interest in this to sort yeah, of yeah. invest. So what I would say is, you know, even if you're not necessarily a horror fan. Like me. Like you. Well, this is the thing. We, I was saying, you know, I'd like to go and see it. And you said, well, I'm not sure. You'd have to probably check it first and see if it's appropriate for me. (laughs) And I would say, you know, if you're... it's The the BBFC thing at the start says, you know, it's rated 15 for strong language, uh, violence and gore. There is some gore and it's right towards the end of the film. So I can walk out. But it's... Well, you can walk out, but I will not respect you for your opinion (laughs) on the film. Uh, What I would say is, you know, it's... 
it's very confined that amount of gore the, the gore stuff is limited yeah. to maybe five or ten minute section so you kind of go in going oh gore all right because you've seen things like saw be rated 15 yeah, and yeah. you go i think 15 yeah i'm sure one or two of them were and you think well if it's going to be throughout and it's 50 i'd count me out but <laughs> what it is it's it's uh you know it's got enough sort of scary moments in it but it's it's more about uh, you know, you've got the social satire there and you've got a really deeper understanding of racial issues mm. and racial conflict. I think it's it's a real work of uh, sort of... Well, genius is too much, I think, maybe. But, you know, it's it's a real work of quality. You know? I've, heard, I've heard as much. And obviously he's won an award recently. Like, it's the Silicon best new director or something right well absolutely deserving because this is (laughs) this is a really strong debut uh i'm excited to see what doors this now opens up for jordan peele i think he he could well be someone who's got something to say yeah if if this is all he has to say then that's no bad thing either because this is a really strong film great performances throughout really gripping story and you know what it doesn't really lose a sense of what it's trying to say is it better than any star wars movie ever no, it's it blows every star wars movie out of the water a thousand times like a laser beam hitting all the way it's it's currently it's currently sitting up there in my top film of the year discussion and yeah there's already a few films battling that out but this is really giving it a good go and you know good for it to be doing well, so well financially well, off a four million dollar budget we're early into the year and there's already some fantastic films. Yeah, I think, see. you know, 2017, we've, we've been incredibly lucky so far. And there's already stuff in, in the horizon where I'm looking at it and going, you know, we've still got Dunkirk to come mm-hmm. later in the year. And we're all really excited about that because Christopher Nolan films are usually a really good thing to get excited about. But I think that's where we're going to have to leave it, unfortunately. I would love to chat to you for days, but unfortunately we have... Well, hopefully by this time next should... week, you may well have uh, seen Get Out as well. or yeah, you know, well, it was, Sometime hoping... in the coming weeks. I think you'll probably try all and get be, to see it. All being well, I will see Beauty and the Beast this week. Yeah. And I think we'll, we'll be discussing Beauty and the Beast next week, uh, and I think maybe Personal Shopper, weirdly. Oh. Oh. I might go see Life and see, wait for that Venom post-credit sting. Um, but yeah, that's where we're going to have to leave. Where are they going to go? Where are uh, so you can find us on <laughs> Facebook and um, Twitter. Uh, our Twitter handle is at DinosaurMan15. The Facebook page is DinosaurManNerdcast. As always, you can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher and Buzzsprout, where you can rate, comment, subscribe, review, share, and tell all your friends about it and just let them know that we're the greatest thing. Lie, but, you know, <laughs> tell them. As always, we would like to thank Johnny Neve for the theme song. Mm-hmm. This week, it was... Uh, it was racially charged. You may have noticed it was very, was it? very. There was a lot of racial tension in that song. Okay. Uh, the appropriation of a sort of jazz culture by a white artist, inspired by, inspired by, famously Kong Skull Island. Hey, that's about cultural appropriation as well. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Invasion of foreign lands, yeah. Viet Cong, all that. Oh, stuff. also, can I just say I didn't even speak about this. Creature design in Kong Skull Island. Some of the creatures that yeah, yeah, are yeah. not Kong or... The skull crawlers but are I'm on about the um, stick insect. The, the stick insect, the, is, the yak. Like, it's all good. So amazing. So amazing. Sorry. <laughs> Andy, thanks for hosting and interrupting. <laughs> Thank you for being along for the ride, Alex. It's not that long of a podcast. We'll be okay. Until next time. <laughs> Go and see both of these films. They're really good. Yeah.
It's a good week. Yeah, good week. Bye. Good week and goodbye. Good, 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 goodbye week. <laughs> yeah, so you sound, you sound like a stuttering Stanley. Dinosaur. Dinosaur man.